Welcome to the Pacific Forest Foundation's Talking Timber, where each week you meet the professionals behind the Northwest timber industry. Hi, and welcome. I'm Diane Mettler, Executive Director of the Pacific Logging Congress, and in this episode of Talking Timber, we will be speaking to Rich Gordon, President of California Forestry Association. He's going to talk to us about some of the amazing things the California Forestry Association is doing and its future goals. In the meantime, I want to thank our sponsors, the Pacific Logging Congress and the Pacific Forest Foundation, who are dedicated to providing sound technical education about the forest industry. This year, the Pacific Forest Foundation is involved in a variety of educational programs, like its Adopt a High School program, an apprenticeship program with loggers and high school students. You can check out that program and others at www.pacificforestfoundation.org. Also, we want to thank our new sponsors, Timberwest Magazine and Logging and Sawmilling Journal. You can subscribe now for free by just going to their website, www.forestnet.com. Okay, now let's hear from Rich and how he got involved in the industry. First of all, I'm, I'm um, rather an unlikely person to have ended up being the president and CEO of the, the um, trade association that represents the timber companies in California, the California Forestry Association. Uh, I'm a resident of the Silicon Valley and um, uh, have no background in forestry whatsoever. I uh, worked um, in the nonprofit sector as a younger uh, person and then went into um, elected office and public service. I served on the Board of Supervisors in San Mateo County for uh, 13 years and then was elected to the California State Assembly, where I served for six years. And um, a year after I termed out of that elected office, uh, I was approached by the Forestry Association to see uh, if I would come talk with them about being their president and CEO. Um, the uh, I had gotten an interest in uh, the world of forestry while I was in the state legislature. Uh, the first thing that happened to me was I realized that as I was looking at water issues in California, that the water that came to my home in the Silicon Valley and to the people who live here uh, came out of the Sierra Nevadas. And I recognized that if we didn't take care of the forests, uh, we were going to be hampering the water supply of an urban area. And all of a sudden, I got very interested in what's going on in the forests in California. I was fortunate enough to uh, have a very dear friend in the state legislature, a guy by the name of Brian Dolly. And uh, uh, Brian, um, who represents the northeast part of California, now in the state Senate, did a, a great job of educating me about uh, the uh, timber industry. Uh, I was introduced to, um, to, to members of the, the industry, their companies, as they came to talk to us in Sacramento. Um, and Brian and I eventually uh, co-authored a, a major piece of legislation uh, to, around, to allow for greater forest thinning and forest management. Uh, and um, uh, so the, the timber companies came to me and said, well, you must have some interest in what we do. Um, and I ended up uh, being their president and CEO. Has it helped you to have sort of coming from a different line of work? Has that helped you to see from different angles your job? Yeah, I think so. I think I think it's helped in a couple of ways. One is that um, the you know, having been an elected official and with the relationships that I have 
uh, and still have in uh, the state legislature and the administration in California. It's given me access to, to people and, and uh, that I don't that otherwise would have been hard to achieve. Uh, but more importantly, um, I think recognizing that in California, uh, the overwhelming majority of the voters live uh, along the coast in urban areas, whether it be San Diego, Los Angeles, uh, San Jose, San Francisco. Um, that's where the majority of the people, majority of the population is. Um, and they are disconnected from the forests. Um, and the rural representatives um, represent far fewer people. There's far fewer of them. And so if we're going to actually make a difference in uh, moving policy um, forward around good forest management, we have to convince and explain to the folks in urban communities what's going on in the forest and what the needs are and, and what the impacts of not doing good work uh, would be. And so having living and coming from the urban area, but now um, advocating on behalf of the rural areas of California, I think is a very important link um, and helps me to understand what needs to be communicated uh, in order to move uh, and make some progress. What sort of things are you communicating that help? Well, I think uh, uh, we've been able to talk uh, uh, in the last couple of years particularly about uh, good forest management and why that's critical. Uh, and one of the things that has helped us, unfortunately, have been the megafires that we've had in California. Um, when folks in the urban communities uh, a couple of years ago were wearing masks because of the smoke uh, from the uh, car fire and the campfire that were uh, devastating San Francisco, that the smoke was, um, all of a sudden they said, well, you know, hey, something's going on in the forest. What is it? Um, and I got invited, for example, to come to the medical school at Stanford um, and to speak to, to a group of alumni about forest management. Uh, that's a group of people who wouldn't have listened to us years ago. <laughs> and, um, and, and, the, and the message we're able to take to them about the fact that, you know, uh, our forests are too dense, uh, particularly our national forests, um, because we haven't managed them. And we've, we've done fire suppression. And, um, and, and with that level of uh, overgrowth uh, in our forest, that density, uh, it is a, um, uh, a recipe, particularly with uh, the climate we've had with hotter and drier summers, it's a real recipe for fire disaster. Is it for the Cal Forest, your, is that one of your biggest goals or are there other goals besides communicating those things? Well, I think uh, we do the communication in order to uh, help us advance our other goals. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, those other things that are important to us include uh, taking a look at um, how to um, simplify the regulatory process in California. Um, we're, we're very interested in trying to figure out how to do a permitting that is simpler, um, perhaps uh, what we would call synchronous. Currently in California, um, a timber harvest plan gets reviewed by uh, the Department of Forestry, then it's reviewed by water resources, then it's reviewed by fish and wildlife. Um, we think there's a way for a single review by all three agencies at the same time, and that's a, one of our uh, important goals. Um, we've also, uh, this year, we're uh, 
successful in achieving one of our other goals. And that has to do with uh, the funding re relationship around good neighbor authority. So under good neighbor authority, California can spend money uh, on ad advancing projects on federal forests. Um, and California is doing that. Some of those projects uh, create valuable timber that uh, is then sold at market. Any proceeds from those timber sales uh, in California were going back into the state general fund for any purpose that the state of California wanted to use them for. Okay. And we took the position that if those funds come off of a fire prevention, a forest management project, they should go back into a fund for further forest management. Yeah. And um, this year, the uh, in the uh, state budget, uh, the governor actually agreed with us and um, put forward a uh, proposal to um, establish a good neighbor fund so that the proceeds uh, will go back into future forest projects. And um, that's something we've been working on for a couple of years, and we uh, were able to successfully achieve that. Oh, that's great. Um, has COVID sort of hampered some of your getting ahead of some of your goals or um, helped because everyone's staying home and you can get a hold of them? Or? <laughs> um, well, I said it, 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 I mean, it has been a most interesting experience. I think um, because a large part of our work at the association uh, is working on behalf of the timber companies uh, and their interests and issues and we're doing that work in Sacramento with the legislature and with the, the regulators. regulators. Um, and uh, that's been very different uh, because we can't have face-to-face -face meetings. We've had to yeah. uh, you know, communicate uh, using Zoom. Um, we've had more written correspondence uh, going back and forth. Uh, and in the legislature, there has been uh, little, uh, some of the things that we have, are interested in trying to promote uh, this year have put on a back burner and we'll have to take them up next year. But it, uh, interestingly enough, in California, both the governor uh, and the state legislature said that, um, you know, there are three priorities that remain in California, COVID, uh, uh, homelessness, uh, and fire prevention. And fire prevention relates to the work that, that we think needs to be done uh, in forest management. And so we haven't seen a, a diminishment of funding to this point uh, for uh, the Board of Forestry. And in fact, um, the, um, uh, there was increases in funding this year to CAL FIRE, uh, again, for some of their fire prevention activity as well as their fire management activity. And what are some of your fire prevention activities? Well, our, uh, our member companies are, are uh, actively working to create shaded fuel breaks between their property and, uh, and communities. Those are, are areas where uh, the CAL FIRE can come in and uh, either set a backfire or it's a, it's a staging area. It gives them a way to, to help prevent and fight the fire. Um, and so uh, the state has been doing those projects, uh, and we have been doing those projects as private landowners, both to uh, protect the communities that we're neighbors to, uh, as well as our own private lands. Excuse me, once the fire gets started, do you become involved then as well? Or Well, interestingly enough, uh, the uh, foresters who work for our member companies know the landscape and oftentimes know it better than the firefighters. So um, our uh, 
companies are periodically called on to provide information about, you know, uh, what's over the next bridge, as 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 well as you know, a, a, can you have you guys got a bulldozer that can um, uh, can get into this area? So uh, there are collaborative uh, agreements, and we do have a memorandum of understanding signed between the Forestry Association and Cal, Cal Fire on how we're going to communicate and how we will work together when we have a, a fire situation. Okay. So your association, there's other state or organizations as well, forestry. What makes um, Cal Forest a little different than say like the Oregon one or some of these other ones? Well, I, I don't, I mean, I think, uh, I, don't, I don't think there is a lot of difference in many ways. Oh, okay. um, we're, we're all uh, kind of working together. And in fact, you know, we, we learn from each other um, and um, communicate with each other uh, as uh, as associations. Uh, both the um, association in Washington and the one in Oregon, we participate in regular meetings at a national level uh, with other uh, timber and forestry associations uh, in other states. And we just had our uh, virtual uh, annual conference about two weeks ago and um, had an opportunity to share best practices with each other. Um, and oftentimes, you know, what may be happening in one state relative to regulation, it ends up happening or coming up in another state. Okay. And we can learn from each other in that regard. I, I have to admit that, unfortunately, most of the regulatory things that impact other states usually tend to start in California. That's what I <laughs> so, thought. Yeah, you're, you're probably the learning so. bed. Or you're the learning <laughs> folks. Yeah, so so often we're in a position of of, of saying, you know, hey, watch out. <laughs> <laughs> How long have you been with them? Uh, I'm uh, I've just started my third year. Oh, okay. Is this uh, have there have there been some kind of highlights for you in these last three years? Or well, I think um, you know some of the success that we've achieved in um, um, in legislation and getting obviously the good neighbor authority I mentioned earlier. Yeah, yeah. Um, we were also able to. Um, be actively engaged in getting a dedicated funding source for fire prevention a couple of years ago. We've uh, we've been working actively with the governor's forest management task force, which I think has been very positive uh, and is about ready to, to move towards its final recommendations, uh, many of which we think will be beneficial and, and helpful. Uh, and uh, on a much smaller note, but I think an important note, uh, we've established a summer internship program okay. and are working with the three universities in California that have uh, forestry programs. That's Humboldt State, uh, UC Berkeley, and uh, Cal Poly uh, in San Luis Obispo. And um, uh, we're trying to take seriously how to uh, support and engage uh, the next generation uh, of those who will work in our industry. Hi, we're going to take a short break to thank our sponsors, the Pacific Forest Foundation and the Pacific Logging Congress, as well as Timberwest Magazine and Logging and Sawmilling Journal. Due to the coronavirus, the 2020 PLC Congress has been moved to 2021, but that doesn't mean they won't be active and involved this year, promoting sound technical forest education. Their annual auction will be virtual this year and held December 16th, 2020. To find out more, just visit www.pacificloggingcongress.org. Okay, back to Rich. Well, they work directly with us, and they learn about uh, you know how policy and regulation um, impact forestry. 
uh, as well as have an opportunity to to visit with and and understand uh, our industry, the history of the industry. Uh, they get to meet uh, the company CEOs, uh, so it's a, a real opportunity for them to see kind of how the industry works and why this industry uh, needs an organization like ours uh, to protect and fight for the industry with the regulatory entities and those who set uh, statewide policy. Oh, that's great. Um, how many interns do you have? We take, uh, we've been taking two each summer since uh, I've started. Mm-hmm. No, that's great. Have they gone on yep. to become policy guys or gals? Or They're, uh, they're doing a variety of things. Uh, one of them is, uh, is uh, working for CAL FIRE uh, and uh, reading timber harvest plans and reviewing them. Uh, another is uh, on a way to getting her um, uh, RPF, a registered professional forestry credential. So it's we, we've seen them uh, move on to things and uh, for the most part, uh, stay close to the industry. Great. So you get to see a wide variety of jobs and everything. If you could tell the next generation um, about the industry, what would you tell them? Well, I would tell them that um, there is no better time uh, to be in a forestry degree program. There, the opportunities that are going to exist over the next uh, several years are very, very positive for them. One, we have a lot of folks in the industry who um, are at retirement age, and there will be uh, uh, a need for folks to, to move up, and there'll be entry-level opportunities that, that uh, sometimes haven't existed in, in the recent past. Uh, because we were um, a fairly stagnant industry, and I don't mean stagnant in um, it's stagnant in the sense that um, people took jobs 20, 30 years ago yeah. and, and didn't leave them, and we didn't expand jobs. So there weren't really new opportunities. So there's opportunity in California. The effort around uh, forest management, I think, is a strong one and uh, will require additional folks both at the state level as well as in industry. So I, I just think it's a, a great time. There's a great opportunity uh, for young people who want to move into uh, the forestry arena. So for you looking ahead with the industry for the next five or 10 years, what do you see? Well, um, first of all, I, I think I have to be honest and say that COVID-19 and the pandemic that we're experiencing throws a, a, a yeah. A sense of doubt into what we might see. You know, we've uh, we've been in, we are an essential industry, so uh, our folks have continued to work. Uh, we're continuing to produce lumber, and um, that lumber is flying off the shelves uh, at Home Depot and um, Lowe's and and the the other uh, you know uh, home home, home, cons- yeah, yeah. Uh, home home repair places because uh, a lot of people are doing uh, home repair or building a redwood deck that they've been thinking about for years. But longer term, that probably won't continue. And then what happens longer term in the housing market will be very important uh, in terms of the future. So on the one hand, economically, I think we're in an era of uncertainty. But I do think that long term, uh, the prospect for wood products is very, very strong. The fact that this is a renewable resource that sequesters carbon when you grow a tree uh, and sequesters carbon as long as that lumber is standing um, in a house uh, or a building. And the opportunities that exist as we move towards 
new wood products, uh, some of the cross laminated timber, mm-hmm. uh, and the ability to build buildings taller with wood, I think uh, create a great opportunity uh, for uh, for timber as, uh, and the timber industry, and create great opportunity for us um, in the future. So I, I think the future will be bright in the long term. Mm-hmm. Uh, over the short term, in the next couple of years, I think we're kind of in a period of uncertainty. No, that makes sense. When you're trying to communicate to the uh, urban side of the state, um, are they excited about things like cross-laminated timber and things? Are those good stories that you can tell? They're very good stories. Um, And particularly in California, our our, our urban areas tend to be more liberal. So they're uh, probably a, a stronger environmental thread in those communities. Uh, And so they have greater concern about water, water quality. They have greater concern about carbon sequestration and showing them how managed forests can help achieve both uh, water quality goals, uh, some air quality goals, but and also do carbon sequestration is something that resonates and uh, in those environment, urban environmental communities. Um, And it's a counter to what they have historically been told, which is don't touch a tree. And when we can go in and present the scientific information that shows that managed forests are better for the environment, um, many of them get it. Well, especially after they see the fires on their doorstep practically too. It has to help drive the story home a little better. Yep, yep. It, it's given us a, a platform to, to raise the story. I mean, I, for example, a year ago, I uh, got a call out of the blue from the Bay Area Council. This is a business organization based in San Francisco. They represent the 500 largest corporations in the San Francisco Bay Area. Uh, big names like you know oh. Google and Facebook. And they called and said, we want to figure out how to collaborate with you around some forest issues because we think we ought to get concerned and engaged uh, as we've seen the fires and we've seen what's happening. Um, and so wow, that's great. When, a, when the largest business group in San Francisco says, well, let's talk together about some of the issues uh, in forestry and how can we help each other, uh, that's a very positive thing. Wow, no, that's fabulous. So Cal, For- Cal Forest itself, um, how many members and how large is it? Well, we, have, we, we represent uh, all of the... Um, uh, timber producers in California. Uh, we have 28 member companies. Um, collectively, they uh, own and manage uh, 4 million acres of timberland. Okay. Um, and then we have additional members who uh, support those companies, whether it be through biomass facilities or um, logging activities or uh, environmental con- consulting. Okay. And how many employees or how, how big are you guys as a group? Uh, we're, there are six of us. Um, we have um, one person who works primarily on federal issues, uh, one person who works primarily on our state regulatory issues. Uh, we have a communications person, um, myself, and then we, we contract for a, uh, a lobbyist to represent us in the state capitol. You guys get a lot done on a small crew there. So. <laughs> well, yeah, uh, it's, I think it's important to be efficient. Yeah, you guys are. <laughs> I'm always surprised how much I see that you guys get done. So, um, so um, the fire season down there is it kind of underway? I've been looking at. 
the news items. It looks yeah, we've no, we've got we've had uh, a couple of very large fires. We still have a large fire in Southern California uh, that um, uh, is going on, uh, but we've had uh, fires in Northern California and in Northeastern California, and we've had uh, timberland of some of our companies um, has been. Um, a part of those fire zones, and uh, we've we've lost some timberland uh, be, uh, because of a couple of fires in Northern California, and um, we're just at the beginning of fire season, really, uh, for California. Okay. So, are you making any adjustments for that? Or everybody kind of getting, are you doing any projects like you were talking about? Like, well, or? I think you know the the the, um, uh, the projects that uh, the, our companies do and the the state do has been doing around shaded fuel breaks and uh, fire prevention thinning, uh, those are ongoing. I mean, they've been, yeah. um, uh, those those activities continue. I guess I should have said, are, are, is COVID playing a role in getting prepared and doing those activities? Well, uh, it, it hasn't really played a role in some of those forest management, forest thinning activities. It is playing a role in California relative to fire response uh, okay. by our, our state agency, CAL FIRE. Um, they are being far more aggressive in immediately trying to, to strike down fires. They're doing more uh, reconnaissance activity to, to spot and look for fire. Um, and when something occurs, they mobilize a massive amount of resources immediately. Because okay. um, what they want to do is to, to strike down these fires as quickly as possible for several reasons. One, um, the smoke is um, very dangerous to people who uh, may have COVID, um, so we don't want to get smoke in the air. Firefighters, uh, if they have to, you know, uh, be in a base camp together, um, trying to figure out how to social distance and keep them protected uh, in in a firefighting environment, and even and then in the worst case scenario, if you have to evacuate a community, historically we've evacuated people to gymnasiums. Oh, yeah. um, or to, to staging centers. Well, don't necessarily want to do that in, in, in the danger of spreading uh, the virus. Fire season in California is, um, is it's going to be a, a time when there is far more aggressive response uh, by CAL FIRE to any uh, danger of a fire. Is it more costly to do it that way? Because maybe it'll be a best practice going forward. It, it, well, it is, it is a little more costly. And the, and the other thing that is... Uh, um, a dynamic here. The uh, Historically, CAL FIRE has utilized firefighting crews from our state prisons. Okay. Uh, and um, we've had uh, uh, major COVID outbreaks in our state prisons. So they, CAL FIRE this year cannot use any of the prison crews. Okay. Um, and so that, that's a source of uh, very low cost labor that's no longer available. Um, and so they've had to, to hire additional firefighters this year on a short-term basis. So uh, it is a probably a more expensive year to fight fire. Okay. Um, whether it's a model moving forward, I think particularly the kind of the, the early strike in certain areas uh, might well be a model moving forward. Um, but I think we're, uh, right now it's, we're still just responding to uh, the, the immediate crisis of the pandemic. Yeah. So no, it's just, Looking at the fire news just made me nervous for you guys. So, yeah, <laughs> makes us nervous too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Next big projects you see on the horizon for your organization? Well, um, I think we do hope to um, 
uh, achieve uh, some progress on uh, this permit synchronicity that I was talking about earlier. Uh, the um, I think we also uh, want to continue to work with the state around encouraging the use of wood products will be important for us. And then I think um, also looking at um, what uh, what role we can play uh, in the, the challenges of infrastructure. Um, the state of California uh, has goals for forest management, forest thinning. Um, and as they ramp up those goals and, and move towards thinning more land, the uh, infrastructure that will be needed in terms of sawmills and biomass facilities doesn't uh, currently exist. And working with the state to figure out how do we achieve uh, these forest management goals um, and build infrastructure, uh, not only in terms of facilities, but in terms of workforce, I think will be key uh, issues that we'll be engaging in the future. Is there anything in this podcast you want me to make sure I mention about Cal Forest that we brought up or? We've been in existence a long time as an organization uh, representing um, the, uh, the timber industry. And um, in some ways, I don't know that there has ever been more interest than there is in uh, what we do and who we are um, because of the fires in California. Uh, because of the recognition that um, that forest management is something that needs to be done uh, Mm -hmm. by the leaders in the state. Um, All of a sudden, um, you know, we have a a place at the table that's um, when decisions are being made, and and that's really what our association wants to do. We want to be there to to, uh, share our expertise, work on behalf of our industry uh, to make things work better uh, for us and for our forests. We want to thank our sponsors, the Pacific Forest Foundation, the Pacific Logging Congress, Timberwest Magazine, and Logging and Sawmilling Journal for making this podcast possible. But most importantly, we want to thank Ridge for taking time out to be part of Talking Timber. Until next time, take care.